everybody, I return with more. I want to watch the very best because God to watch them all was taken. I am your beautiful, charming, lovely host, Ryan Geyser, back again. And a lot has happened. So during my hiatus that lasted a bit longer than it should have, I'm sorry about that, please forgive me, I caught COVID! Yay! So, um... So actually, a few of the episodes today that I talk about, um, I recorded while sick because I thought it was just a simple cold, and I found out later that week, surprise, it's COVID, woo! So forgive me if I sound a bit congested, especially in the last one, that was kind of when I was at the peak sickness, but I'm recovered as best as I can be, I think, and I'm ready to move on with my life. Let's, let's go, another chapter done! In addition to that, I also bought my first car, and that has been a very, very big hassle. But it's done! It's mine! I get to go pick it up later. I also managed to finish that Arceus video I kept talking about ages and ages ago. That that was actually the main thing the hiatus was for. I wanted to finish that video. And I got it done! While sick with COVID, because what else was I going to do? And finally, on August 19th, one of you wild lads somehow got this podcast, like, really noticed and don't get me wrong I'm not angry I'm not even disappointed I'm very very thankful I don't know what happened but on August 19th just numbers shot up somewhere and um I think it's pretty cool and I appreciate it I think that is rad and you are all very cool people so hey if you're new welcome to your first new episode and we're gonna have a fun time because we are going to begin adventures in the orange islands which is a fun name because it's actually called the Orange Archipelago in the anime, but the they're the Orange Islands. This season is actually, thankfully, pretty quick. It's only like 30 episodes long and then one movie. So we should be out of Orange Islands and into Gen 2 before you even know it. Orange Islands is really fun, too. I'll get into it later, but they really experiment with Orange Islands. They just kind of go off the walls doing what they want. and Like, even more than Indigo League, they just try whatever and it's really fun so let's jump right into today's episode with episode 81 palette party panic synopsis returning home after the pokemon league palette town celebrates the accomplishments of their hometown trainers but after setting off on a new journey ash must reface one of his oldest foes we got a new intro! Yay! Maybe I'm just sick of hearing the original, but I do like this one a bit better. Plus, I love how it shows a quick flash of other one-off trainers Ash fought, including Samurai, Duplica, AJ, and even the random hiker from the Bulbasaur's Garden episode. It even gives Richie the spotlight for a second. Despite absolutely none of these trainers appearing at all in the Orange Islands, which is really weird and funny to me. The episode proper begins with a party at Professor Oak's lab. Ash thanking everyone who supported him, Oak congratulating him on making it so far, and Gary nowhere to be seen. Everyone hates him, I guess. Ash and his friends begin devouring food, Misty suggesting that their Pokemon all join them as well, most likely as a way to remind everyone of their teams for the new series. Ash also tries to send out Charizard, but his friends stop him as the boy flashes back to how much the Pokemon hates him. I'll invite Charizard next time. Team Rocket, revealed to have worked their way into the party disguised as cooks, give Ash food secretly flavored with spicy sauces. Here you go. Bone appetite. His friends and Pokemon all start to eat. 
Brock, Bulbasaur, Pidgeotto, and Squirtle breathing fire from the spice. Brock tries to have Squirtle water gun him, but the turtle blasts fire at him instead. Misty has Staryu water gun them instead, ending their pain. Ash laughs at how big of babies they're all being, eating some of his own food. Breathing fire as well! While everyone is distracted, the rockets grab Pikachu with some rubber gloves and scuttle away in a bush like Divinity Original Sin 2. But instead of just leaving with their capture, they insist on putting on a little show with their motto and turn the food stall into a super-powered balloon. Upset at their trickery, the Pokey crew throw their food at the evil trio, each shot somehow successfully landing in their mouths and causing them to run around in pain before they quickly jump into their basket and fly off, dangling Pikachu below them tauntingly. Ash tries to have Squirtle water gun them, but it can't reach. To ensure they're not stopped, the Rockets then start throwing bombs on the partygoers. Ash then has Pidgeotto fly after them, ramming into and popping the balloon. But Team Rocket came prepared, triggering an emergency second balloon. Arbok is sent out to poison sting Pidgeotto, causing it to fall and be caught by Ash, who's happy the bird is alright. He then prepares to send out Charizard, Misty warning him that it seems like a really bad idea. But seeing no other options, he lets the lizard out anyway, begging it to help but being rebuffed. Charizard then seeing and drooling over a fruit display. Suddenly, a stray bomb destroys the fruit, angering Charizard, causing him to rush right at the balloon and knock the bombs back, blowing the trio up. After it very nicely rescues the falling Pikachu, Ash happily thinks Charizard finally just randomly decided to listen to him, but a fireball to the face causes him to reconsider. Charizard then flies around the party, blowing tables, food, and decorations everywhere, before rampaging in the middle of it all. The rockets then land in the tree somewhere in the distance. But before they can collect themselves, a swarm of Pidgey and Pidgeotto surround them, chirping angrily. Jessie sticks her head up over the leaves to get a better idea of her surroundings, but is suddenly attacked by a Spearow flock, led by a Fero. Later on, Oak returns a healed Pidgeotto to Ash, who apologizes for letting it get injured. And, spoilers, you know something is going to happen to Pidgeotto when they suddenly give it attention for the first time ever. Thanks for treating Pidgeotto, Professor. Sorry, Pidgeotto, I should have known Team Rocket would try a poison sting attack. <laughs> Pidgeotto's so great. Pidgeotto would stand up to any kind of attack for Ash. Too bad Charizard isn't like Pidgeotto. Oak then asks the group if they could do a favor for him deliver an important package to a friend who lives on Valencia Island in the Orange Archipelago. After they all daydream of enjoying the beach there, Oak misgenders Professor Ivy, his acquaintance, as he, and explains that she has a mysterious Pokeball that he'd like to look at. Misty asks why he can't just have it transported over, and he answers that, for some reason, it's just not able to work in the Pokeball machines. Normally, he'd have Gary do it, but the boy is already off on another journey. Brock, thinking there will be girls, immediately insists that they all go. Ash agrees due to the mystery of the Pokeball, and Misty says yes just because. They then grab their stuff from home and depart Ash's house, waving goodbye. As the group walks through the woods, they comment that it seems oddly quiet. 
before suddenly the Spiro group rushed the trio, Firo dive-bombing them. Ash wonders why a Firo would even be after them, suddenly realizing to his horror that it was the Spiro he threw a rock at in episode one. The large bird then circles around, grabbing Ash by the bag and lifting him up. Without thinking, he has Pikachu electrocute the bird and him as he's then dropped, plummeting to the ground, only to land in the same tree as the rockets. Hey, what are you three guys doing up here? We're stuck because that Firo and those Spiro don't get along with these Pidgey and Pidgeotto. Huh? Ash realizes that the other birds feel threatened by the aggressive ones, right as his friends locate him. After explaining the situation, Ash insists that they need to help. Realizing he has a plan, the Rockets agree to let him go through with it. He starts by getting them off the tree, jumping and shaking it until they all fall. The Spiro flock then targets them and they're chased off. Seeing his chance, Ash encourages the Pidgey flock to escape, but they're still hesitant to leave. Ash then has Pidgeotto explain the plan to them, eventually leading them back into the sky. Unfortunately, Firo reappears, Pidgeotto guarding its kind. It's then attacked by the Firo, being knocked out of the sky. Ash tries to comfort them as the Pidgey flock is harassed, saying there's nothing more that the bird could do right now. However, Pidgeotto stands tall, screeching into the sky as it evolves into a Pidgeot! It asks Ash to hop on its back, him and Pikachu doing so as it takes off into the sky. Firo charges it again, but Pidgeot's gust attack stuns it, allowing it to quick attack and finish the Firo off with Pikachu's thunderbolt. Ash then attempts to catch it, but the bird still has enough strength to bat the ball away. However, Pidgeot leads the rest of its flock in a coordinated attack, and together drive the Firo off with one final command from Pidgeot. Ash, for some reason, making no further attempts at battling and capturing the giant bird for some reason. During sunset, Ash asks that Pidgeot stay with the flock to guard them in case Firo returns, the bird sadly agreeing. Ash promises to return as soon as he gets the Pokeball, something he never said in the original Japanese and will never actually follow through on. Pidgeot then flies off, everyone waving farewell as it leaves with its new flock. Ash, in order to distract himself from his sadness, proudly tells his friends to continue towards the archipelago. And of course, we get one final shot of the rockets being attacked by Spiro, because we gotta torture them somehow. So, Orange Islands is off to a pretty great start. We had a refresher on the characters, and evolution, and Pidgeotto finally getting attention before it's just let go without much fanfare, never to be seen again. Really kinda hurts, huh? It's not as bad as Primeape, at least Pidgeot actually got to stick around for a while and do some important stuff, but it would still be nice to see it again one day, especially with Journeys bringing everyone back. Maybe one day. Otherwise, we've got our plot, so let's move on to the journey itself with episode 82, A Scare in the Air! Synopsis. Ash conveniently wins a trip on a blimp to Valencia Island, saving them a long journey. But their quick and pleasant trip takes a turn for the worse when the whole thing is revealed to be a rocket scheme. Stopping at a convenience store, Brock reads a guidebook and gets a bit too excited at the prospect of going. Misty then says she doesn't care how they arrive to Valencia Island, as long as it's soon. Ash then leaves the store, him and Pikachu happily carrying weeks worth of food. Misty expresses surprise at that amount of food, Ash explaining that it'll probably be a month's journey. 
Brock then points out that his book says it'd only be a day by blimp. A very weird comment, since planes exist in this world, and that'd be the more likely mode of transport. After Ash half-heartedly wishes they could afford blimp tickets, they hear someone win at a nearby lottery stand. The host saying that all you need is a receipt from the store, and you can win a blimp trip to Valencia Island. Ash excitedly enters, his friends commenting on the unlikelihood of him winning the trip. Right before he wins the overly convenient grand prize, to his companion's shock. Elsewhere, Meowth sings a song as the trio call Giovanni. My name is Meowth, I'm covered with fur, that's why I get hairballs. Did you call us, sir? He tells the group they're being transferred, being put on the blimp brigade explaining that only special operatives get this honor, and warning them not to fail again. As the Rocket Trio celebrate their promotion, Giovanni mumbles to himself, saying that he's only putting them in charge of the blimp because it's a terrible and old machine, expecting them to crash it so he can collect the insurance payout. Cha-ching! Our heroes then arrive at the blimp port, staring at awe at their transportation. Misty worries that it looks a bit old and beat up, but Ash reassures her that it's fine. Two men then approach them, worriedly asking if they're taking that blimp. Ash confirms this, and the two workers express concern for their safety, saying it's so dangerous that people think it's haunted. The Rockets then shove the two workers out of the way, asking for the group's tickets. Uh... But what about the ghosts? What ghosts, sir? Those guys told us that a whole bunch of ghosts lived in there. Oh, they must have been from a rival blimp line. Come uh, on now, uh, it's boarding time! Uh, Please have your carry-on luggage ready for inspection. Meowth spies on this exchange from behind the building, thinking that Giovanni put them in charge because he knew the twerps would be here. This is incredibly amazing to me because one can only assume that the store workers had no idea this was a rocket scheme, so they most likely just got the cheapest tickets not knowing that the whole thing was an insurance scam. Along with that, the rocket trio was coincidentally placed on the blimp that Ash randomly won a trip on. One can only wonder what would have happened if either of those two things hadn't occurred. Also, the airfield only has one blimp on it and nothing else, which makes the workers saying that the only thing they have out and ready to go is dangerous really funny too. Unknown to everyone, Jigglypuff makes their grand reappearance. Thinking a lever is a microphone on a stage, they approach it, but have their foot tangled by a rope and are dragged flying away. Up in the air, Ash's group enters the dining area, commenting on how ramshackle it is. was then served their food, which I will also now play a poorly aged clip from. Ugh, this soup is ice cold. Aye, it's an old Eskimo recipe. Eskimo? Yes, our chef needs- Oh! The ship then suddenly lists to the side, and Misty sarcastically wonders who's flying this thing. The rockets realizing that they don't know, asking Meowth in the kitchen. He shrugs them off, saying it's his job to cook, not to fly. 
All three of them suddenly realized to their horror that the blimp hasn't had a pilot since they took off, rushing back to the cockpit to find it empty, also realizing that none of them know how to actually fly it. As the blimp leans forward, Meowth quickly reads a guidebook, learning about the two water tanks keeping the vehicle balanced in the air. Jesse then pulls a release lever, letting some water fall out and splash on an angry Jigglypuff, who climbs up into the blimp. However, the ship now pulls back, leading to the team emptying all the water out of both tanks in a failed attempt to balance the flying contraption. Ash's group slides back and forth with the furniture the whole time. Finally getting the vessel stable, the rockets then see a storm ahead of them. Meowth says they just have to raise the front to fly over it, but they realize in horror that they're out of water. Meowth then says that the only option left is to press an emergency landing button and crash into the ocean, but the other two are reluctant to fail the boss's mission of running the blimp. They then decide that if they steal Pikachu, it won't matter if they crash the aircraft and rush to do the deed quickly enough to escape. You're right, Jesse, and then we'll be heroes. All we need is Pikachu, doo-da, doo-da. All we need is Pikachu, Pikachu, mm, These two are acting screwier than usual. Maybe the blimp gas is getting to them. Ash's group recovers from the wreckage, and Misty realizes that she lost Togepi in the commotion. The group then begins to look through the blimp for the missing Pokemon, while Jigglypuff shows up for a second to do nothing but get covered in a sheet. Our heroes then climb into the actual blimp part of the blimp, which is revealed to be filled with metal and walkways, making it more of a zeppelin than a blimp, but whatever. While looking for Togepi, a sheet-covered Jigglypuff runs by, startling the group. Thinking that it may be Togepi, they follow after it, only to have the Jigglypuff approach them, recalling how the blimp was called haunted, and thinking that they just saw a ghost! Team Rocket unknowingly passes by on a walkway above the terrified kids while looking for them, unsure where the group ran off to. Meowth, while being assaulted by Jesse for a snide comment, sees Jigglypuff bouncing behind the group and tries to warn them about the ghost. The other two then also see it, and all flee as the storm knocks the sheet off of Jigglypuff. Ash then suggests that they try to find some way off the skyship, but his friends say that he's stupid for suggesting it and refuse to leave Togepi. Team Rocket then appears, falling off a ladder in the middle of their motto, then giving it without the usual music, which sounds a bit weird. To protect the world from devastation. To unite all peoples within our nation. To denounce the evils of truth and love. To extend our reach to the stars above. Jesse. James. Team Rocket, blast off at the speed of light. Surrender now or prepare to fight. Meowth, that's right. They demand Pikachu and send out Arbok and Weezing. Arbok tries to bite, but Pikachu zaps it, also hitting a metal beam, which shocks everyone else as well. Misty then warns that he'll blow everyone up if he continues zapping stuff willy-nilly. Grok then sends out Geodude against Weezing, which grapples and throws the smog Pokemon through the blimp, tearing a hole in the canvas that grows bigger and bigger due to the storm. It's then that they see Togepi balancing on a beam in front of an opening to the air, precariously trotting along. Misty and her friends hurry to help it, while Team Rocket acts all dejected for being ignored, Meowth yelling at them to get it together. Misty then begins to climb up a ladder to the beam, asking Bulbasaur to wrap her with vines as a safety measure. 
Seeing the twerps distracted, the rocket trio decide that now is the time to strike. They theorize that the only effective way to get the drop on them is to climb along a monkey bar-like beam. Jesse and James are reluctant to do so. Meowth decides to take the initiative, bragging about his skill as he climbs along easily. Unfortunately, the ship exits the storm, blasting sunlight in the Pokemon's face and causing him to lose one arm's grip. Misty also slowly approaches Togepi and is about to rescue them before Jigglypuff jumps between them and prepares to sing. Before Misty can do the smart thing and just kick it into the ocean to save them all trouble later, the ship shakes again. This causes all of the rockets, who are trying to help Meowth, to fall off the blimp. Meowth manages to quickly fashion a parachute from the canvas, but Jigglypuff lands on top of it, singing them to sleep as they let go and plummet into the ocean. Misty successfully rescues Togepi, but before they can rest easy, Brock notices that all the gas in the blimp is escaping, saying they need to quickly engage in an emergency landing. He then has everyone send out their Pokemon to balance the blimp, including Onyx, but quickly recalls it when the giant rock snake causes them to descend a bit too quickly. Taking the wheel, Brock aims for an island, while Misty relays his directions over an intercom, having Ash move the Pokemon to different sides of the blimp as they slowly crash land. Conveniently on Valencia Island, right as a loudspeaker welcomes them. Emerging safely from the wreck, the trio prepares to make their way to Professor Ivy. This is a very amusing episode. While I love Team Rocket lore episodes, I can also appreciate episodes where they're the focus and it's basically just a Three Stooges sketch. And this is definitely one of those episodes. There are antics abound, and it might get a giggle or two out of you if you turn your brain off. Plus, it's part of a couple episode continuities, so we'll see that with the next episode, which is... Episode 83, Pokeball Peril. Synopsis. The trio finally arrive at the lab of Professor Ivy. After receiving the mysterious Pokeball, they learn all about the Pokemon of the archipelago. And all the while, one of our heroes makes a big decision. After a quick recap of the blimp event, the Pokecrew make their way along the hot and tropical Valencia Island. Ash suggests that they swim to cool off, but Brock reminds him that they have to get the Pokeball first. Misty then asks a pretty innocent question. So, where is Professor Ivy's laboratory anyway? Uh, don't, don't you know, know where it is? Uh, I guess we'll just have to find it. Spotting a tropical-looking Poke Center, the group goes inside to ask for directions, being met with a nurse Joy, who Brock immediately freaks out over. It's a pleasure to make your acquaintance. Are you related to any of the other Nurse Joys? I'm the second cousin of the sister-in-law of the Joy in Saffron City. Have you ever been to Saffron City? Oh yes, it's beautiful like you are. Looks like Ash isn't the only one who needs to cool down. <sighs> After being directed to the lab, the group enters to find it empty. Until Pikachu is knocked aside by a panel in the floor. Out of it pop three identical-looking girls, who kind of look like Velma from a pup named Scooby-Doo, but if she had pigtails and a Hawaiian shirt. The girls lead the group outside, where they find the beautiful Professor Ivy, affectionately petting a Gyarados in the ocean, Ash wishing his Charizard was as well-behaved as her Pokemon. She then rides the Gyarados over and jumps off, catching and putting on her lab coat before landing and greeting the group. 
Returning inside, she shows them the mysterious Pokeball they were sent to receive. The top part of it is gold, the bottom is silver, and it has GS engraved on its lid. True to what Oak was told, it can seem to be transported or opened. Naturally, we've tried to open it. We've tried buzz saws, hammers, crowbars, hacksaws, power drills, and lasers. We've tried everything, but this Pokeball has a stump. So, big spoilers, but I'm just going to let you know now. Spoilers, spoiler, spoiler. Don't get your hopes up. The plan for this Pokeball was scrapped in Generation 2, and it's very unceremoniously ditched and never talked about later. So, just expect to hear about the GS ball a lot with no payoff. Ash then phones Professor Oak to inform him of the ball. Ivy takes the phone, and both professors begin complimenting each other's very long-winded reports, Ash becoming impatient. After the call ends, the screen fades to a panicking Meowth, the rocket trio fearful of what Giovanni will think when he hears about the blimp's destruction. Jesse then yells to get themselves together. Quit blubbering and let's get to work and fix this thing! But Jesse, I don't know the first thing about work. Are you saying you won't work? Uh, no, 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 I was no. just... Have you forgotten that the Twerp and his friends are supposed to make a round trip? Hmm? <sighs> That means we get a second shot to grab Pikachu. What are we waiting for? Let's get to work and rebuild the blimp. That's the spirit. Before long, we'll have our flytrap ready for that Pikachu. Charge! <laughs> Ivy then shows the group her Pokemon garden, where the trio notice that the Pokemon all look a little bit different, having slightly altered colors or patterns. Ivy explains that she's studying these variations, and that she raised all of these Pokemon herself. We also, like, never see these unique colors or patterns again, by the way. The girls then all point out a weak-looking Butterfree, Ivy wondering why it's refusing to eat its nutrient-rich food. Brock then helps himself to a piece of it, eating it in disgust before running off. He then returns and mushes up some berries, making the obvious observation that flavor matters more than nutritional value. However, Ivy is happy to see that the Butterfree immediately starts to eat and is impressed with Brock's skill. In the midst of the girls freaking out over Brock's very obvious observation, one of them mentions that, oh shoot, we need to make dinner, Brock immediately entering his chore junkie mode. Inside the living quarters, the group is met with an overly cluttered and messy house. While Ash and Misty look on in disgust, Brock happily accepts the challenge, remarking that it's just like home before rushing around and speedily multitasking all the chores that need doing. After dinner, everyone heads to bed for the night, while Ivy and the Velmas record some vile plume outside. Brock sees and joins them, offering some rice balls to the group while Ivy explains that the Vile Plume are currently spreading toxic pollen to Mark and protect their territory. But suddenly, Eradicate scurries right out into the pollen cloud, quickly suffering from it. Ivy runs out to grab it, inhaling some of the pollen herself before jumping out and collapsing. Brock rushing to help while Ivy begs to help the Eradicate instead. An awoken Ash and Misty join the others at the Pokemon Center, where Joy cheekily chides Ivy for her hastiness before reassuring everyone that both her and the Raticate will be just fine. As the girls and Ivy laugh at the night's events, Brock looks on in admiration. In the morning, Misty and Ash prepare to head out, but notice that Brock isn't with them. 
Moments before, he and his Pokemon rush by with building supplies. As he begins repairing the roof, Ivy tells the group that Brock wants to stay with the professor. Ash asks if he's sure, and Brock stands by his decision. This ship needs a captain. If I stay here, I'll get to learn more and more about Pokemon every day. And I think these guys may need me a lot more than you guys do. Well then, I guess this is goodbye. Friends to the end, right, Ash? Right. Accepting his choice, Ash bids farewell to his friend before he and Misty depart, waving as they go. As they walk further away, Misty comments that it'll be weird not having Brock around, before wondering how they even plan on getting back to Pallet Town. Ash happily says that he's got the blimp tickets, but Misty reminds him that they can't really go back on that blimp. But we can't go back on that blimp. Yeah, the food was bad and they didn't show a movie. Arriving at the airstrip, they're stunned to see that the blimp is repaired, with Team Rocket quickly rushing them on and helping them aboard. Ash asking if it's actually even safe this time? Are you sure it's safe? It's safe enough, kid. What do you want to live forever? Hurry, hurry, step right up! <laughs> the two trainers are placed into seats as the blimp takes off with a quick and unnecessary scene of Jigglypuff being blown away also happening, before it's revealed that they just ended up hitching a ride anyway, so that was just a waste of a couple seconds. Team Rocket then springs their trap, dropping a cage around Ash and Misty before removing their disguises. The trio also notices that Brock seems to be missing, assuming that the two trainers ditched him to be together romantically. Ash is about to have Pikachu use Thunderbolt, but the rockets remind him that they're in a gas-filled balloon that could easily explode. Oopsie-doopsie. Right as they're about to nab Pikachu, Jigglypuff reappears to everyone's horror. It then begins to sing, with the rockets quickly putting on parachutes before being jettisoned with Jigglypuff out the blimp door, floating tangled, but gently this time down into the ocean, still asleep. Unfortunately, that leaves our heroes asleep and trapped on a pilotless airship as the episode ends. This episode begins a trend that the series continues after Gen 2. Find some way to ditch one of the companions to give Ash a new one. And it's not necessarily a bad idea. Introducing new characters for new arcs helps keep things somewhat fresh, especially since we've had Brock and Misty for so long. It's just kind of funny how unceremoniously Brock is dropped. He sees and decides to stay with a pretty and dirty girl, gives Ash a handshake, and is then left behind. They make a much larger deal of this stuff later, but this episode it's just, <clears throat> bye Brock. The episode is fun though. It fully introduces our big overarching plot for the next so many episodes, and it also helps to introduce the setting it will all take place on. But for now, we temporarily bid farewell to Brock and meet our new main character in episode 84, the Lost Lapras. Synopsis. After crash landing on another island, the group come across an injured Lapras being assaulted by some thugs. They attempt to help the Pokemon heal and are aided by their new companion, Tracy Sketchit. After another refresher recap, we begin with the blimp crash landing in a mountainside forest, Ash and Misty waking up and emerging from the wreckage, 
wondering where they are. A bit later, Ash walks on determinedly, but Misty asks to rest for a second. Ash comments that it's weird they haven't seen anyone for miles, causing Misty to worry that the island is deserted. However, just as they worry that they'll be stranded the rest of their lives, a bunch of old people walk out of the bushes, shove the trainers aside, and start taking pictures with Pikachu and Togepi. Thanks to the tour group, the duo eventually find their way to the exit of the forest, being welcomed by two hula girls and learning that they're emerging from Pokemon Park, a theme park on Tangelo Island. They then walk through the city, happy that they're not stranded, before hearing cries on the beach below them. They look over to see a beached Lapras being assaulted by three punks and rush to go help it. The thugs get confrontational with Ash, mentioning that they're preparing to take on the Orange Crew, which Ash inquires about but is ignored as the three send out Hitmonchan, Spearow, and Beedrill. Ash prepares to battle as Misty hides Togepi in her bag, before a voice suddenly yells for them to all HOLD IT! Trainers and Pokemon stopping mid-stride. A young man, later introduced as Tracy Sketchit, walks over and measures the thug's Pokemon while commenting on how unhealthy and underdeveloped they are, comparing them to Ash's Pikachu, whose coat is shiny, beautiful, and healthy. He then picks Ash's Pokemon up, drawing Pikachu in a sketchbook while complimenting him, trying to take an electrical reading as well. The thugs, insulted by the comments and being ignored, launch their attack again, Pikachu shocking them, their Pokemon, and Tracy. Tracy then sees the Lapras, insisting that they get it to a Pokemon Center quickly. He gives Ash some medicine before rushing off to get help. Ash tries to administer the medicine to the Pokemon, but it adamantly refuses, to their confusion. At the Poke Center, Joy assures the group that there were no serious injuries and the Lapras will be fine after some rest. She adds, however, that due to the thug's assault, it seems the Pokemon is extremely mistrusting of humans. Tracy comments that it's especially a shame since the Lapras is only an infant, surprising Ash. Also, since this Lapras is roughly the same size as the one in the Jinx and Santa episode, that means that Lapras was a child too, which means Santa employs child workers in the Pokemon world. That's pretty rad! Tracy goes on to explain that Lapras herds live in the archipelago, and that this one must have gotten separated in the recent storm. Ash remarks on Tracy's knowledge, and the boy responds by saying that it comes from his skill as a Pokemon watcher. Someone who goes into the wild to watch, document, and study different Pokemon. Tracy and the others all introduce themselves and vow to help the Lapras. The Rocket Trio watch from outside, scheming their next scheme. Until some kids trample them and run into the center, asking Joy to look at their barely injured Pokemon as they want to keep training to fight the Orange Crew. Ash and Misty muse aloud what this could be, with Tracy explaining that the crew are four gym leaders on the archipelago who guard the Orange League, the Orange Archipelago's Pokemon League. Ash then decides that he wants to challenge them as well, but Misty reminds him of the GS ball Oak once brought back, Tracy perking up at the mention of Oak's name. To end the argument, the duo call Professor Oak while Tracy eagerly listens in. After assuring Oak that the ball is safe, Ash asks if he can maybe participate in the Orange League, please? Maybe, please? Hmm, the Orange League, eh? You don't mind, do you, Professor? I have a feeling that whether I mind or not, I'm not going to be able to stop you. Thanks, Professor. I knew I could count on you. 
After hanging up, Tracy has a fangirl moment and freaks at the fact that his two new friends know the professor, deciding to travel with them so he can meet Professor Oak too. Just as Misty is about to protest this decision, Joy tells the Poke crew that Lapras is all healed up. They try to coerce it onto a truck to bring it back to the ocean, but it refuses to budge. Tracy wonders if maybe there's some way to calm it down, and Ash proudly jumps on the truck bed deciding to sing a lullaby. Just wait and see. <clears throat> Whoa! Ah! Wow! A Jigglypuff! I have to sketch this! Taking the reins, Jigglypuff causes more problems and sings everyone to sleep. They then wake up completely doodled on, with no change to the plot. Be ready for more of this, the Orange Islands loves Jigglypuff more than the Indigo League. Lapras still refuses to get on the truck, so Ash yells at it to move. After it swims away from him, he then dives into the water for it, pursuing the Pokemon to the bottom of the pool. Something you should 100% do when an animal feels cornered and mistrusting. Team Rocket then makes their move, launching a smoke bomb at the pool and appearing on Lapras's back. Lapras is also already somehow tied up and on a truck, too. That, that was fast. Wow. Tracy also freaks out over a talking Meowth. Wow, I can't believe it. A Meowth that can talk human language. Ha! <laughs> Testing one, two, three. Meowth, can you please say something for the Pokemon Watcher archive? Uh, what should I say? Maybe you can answer a few questions. Well, I usually don't do interviews unless they've been cleared through my talent agent. Keep it up and you're gonna need a travel agent. Can't you see we're busy? Who are you anyway? Oh, sorry. My name's Tracy. I'm a Pokemon watcher. Okay, if you're a Pokemon watcher, then you won't mind stepping aside and watching us steal this Lapras. Wheezing smogs all over the place as the rockets drive off. Worrying they'll get away, Tracy sends out his Venonat, having it use its built-in radar eye ability thing to track the truck. Using bikes, Ash and Co. take a shortcut to catch up to the vehicle, Ash jumping onto the truck bed and reassuring Lapras that it'll be okay, it'll be okay. He then goes into the driver's compartment and struggles with everyone until Pikachu zaps the car, causing a stunned James to accidentally uncouple the truck bed. Ash hops back onto the bed, and the Rockets notice that they're approaching a ramp-looking rock piece. Now, this two-second bit of animation is very weird, so I'll try to explain it as best as I can. The Rockets quickly slam on the brake, but the heavy Lapras bed pushes them up the ramp anyway. The camera turns as the driver's compartment curves so it's facing up, the bed pushing it just hard enough to launch them spinning, while the bed itself somehow stops dead in its tracks on the ramps. The momentum does not really add up here. Before Ash can untie Lapras, the bed starts to roll backwards, rolling down the cliffside road. Ash manages to pull the bed around the first two bends, but the third is too tight to make with just his and Pikachu's weight, causing them all to fly off the edge. Thankfully, a now untied Lapras flies free, Ash and Pikachu grabbing onto it and assuring it that they'll stick together before they all splash into the sea. Later, Tracy and Misty call to him from the shore, Venonat assuring them that Ash is nearby somewhere. They then happily see a waving Ash surf to the beach riding on Lapras, declaring that he caught it. The next morning, Joy sees Lapras and the group off, Ash explaining that they're going to head around the islands for both the League and to find Lapras's family. 
Departing on Lapras's back with Tracy coming along for the ride, the group sets off on their next challenge. So, I think I'm going to take this opportunity to talk about Tracy. Real quick, Lapras is great and this episode serves as a good true entrance to the Orange Island series, showing us a new companion and Pokemon slash transportation that will kind of be exclusive to this arc. So, discussing Tracy specifically is a much better use of focus than anything I can say about this one episode, which, on its own, pretty solid. A lot of people don't like Mr. Sketchit, and I'm inclined to agree with the fact that he's not as good as Brock, at least. He doesn't really have any unique character traits other than draws a lot and really loves Oak. And compared to the different goofs you could pull off with Brock in the same amount of episodes, he just falls flat. But Tracy overall isn't terrible. He's not annoying or unlikable or even, God forbid, detrimental to the group, like causing more harm than resolving it but being forgiven in the end. Those kind of characters I hate. But Tracy is not one of them. It was actually a really good idea to take a temporary break from Brock. After 80 episodes, having the dynamic mixed up a bit really helps fatigue from the show and gives us a chance to welcome the former member back later. Plus, Tracy sets the precedent for getting a new member at the start of each new region. Without him, we may not have gotten the later protagonists in the show. So yeah, Tracy ends up kind of okay overall in my opinion, just not as good as some of the other companions in the past and future. And once again, this episode, it's pretty okay too. Welcome, welcome back, it's Intro Ryan again, the not-sick one, thankfully... I hope you enjoyed today's episode and enjoyed the start of a new adventure with Ash and Misty and not Brock because he he is gone for the next like 30 episodes. I bet you can't wait. But if you enjoyed what you heard, please spread this podcast around. Just, uh, you know, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your dog, tell your Growlithe. And also make sure to click that little follow, subscribe, whatever button the service you use has because, uh, you get to see new stuff then, and it means a lot to me. And I feel scummy asking you to like and subscribe. Trust me, I don't like it, but apparently it actually helps. Statistics show it actually helps, or else people wouldn't do it. So I'm going to I'm gonna do the corporate thing and listen to stats for once instead of my own heart. So that's why I do it. Anyway, thank you again for listening, and I hope you have a great morning, day, evening, night, outside of space time, whatever. Just have an orangey good one. Bye!